This is The Adam Ritz Show, a public affairs talk show touching on community, health, foundations, and more. The Adam Ritz Show is underwritten by Vibonomics, an audio out-of-home advertising marketplace and audio experience company. Info at Vibonomics.com. And now, from the Vibonomics studios, please welcome your public affairs radio host, Adam Ritz. Hello, everyone. My name is Adam Ritz, and you are on board The Adam Ritz Show with Jay Baker on the phone. Hey, Jay, how's it going? It is going great, Adam. I am glad that uh, we are doing today's show. I uh, heard a story recently I wanted to share with you in the world of public affairs and giving back charitable donations and foundation work. Uh, a, A young man by the name of Ray Burton is 92 years old, and he is giving a ton of money to music scholarship programs in the name of his son, Cliff Burton, who's not exactly a household uh, name. You do, do you know Cliff Burton? Cliff Burton, I'm I'm going to guess, and boy, and I get all these bands, they all intersperse in my head, but wasn't he part of... Oh, I, it's not Slayer, but it's one of the kind of like real heavy-edged bands. I am impressed, Jay. You and I did not talk about this story before we went on the air today, and uh, you were so close. It isn't Slayer, but Cliff Burton was the original bassist of Metallica. Uh, Metallica, there we go. Yeah, he was tragically killed in a bus accident. It is uh, while the a band was tur- touring in Europe. Crazy story. Yes. Uh, crazy story. Uh, the bus, tour bus, the entire band was on the bus in 1986, and it flipped over. And uh, he was tragically killed in that bas- bus crash, yeah. rather. And uh, so here, decades later, his father uh, donates his son's royalty checks to um, to music scholarships isn't that the just wonderful yeah that is a selfless act i i mean it, it's a lot of money over the years uh in fact um the father ray burton tells a story of the very first royalty check that his son brought home back in the 1980s it was fifteen hundred dollars and it was when their first album hit and his son cliff proudly said let me take you out to dinner so, uh, you know, the first four albums from Metallica, Cliff Burton has uh, music credits on those albums. So his estate is still getting royalties, and his father, 92 years old now, Ray Burton, uh, donates the majority of that money to his high school, Castro Valley High School, for their music program. So those kids have uh, monies and funds to be able to go to college. I thought I heard that story recently. It's not a news story. It's It's been around, but uh, it did make uh, the news uh, here in the recent weeks because the father was on a podcast um, telling that story. 90, and I mean, half, half the stunt, uh, half the interesting part of that story to me is that his father's 92 years old and, yes. and still doing that. Well, and of interest, Metallica is a band that takes philanthropic work very seriously. If you look up um, Metallica Charity, it will, and I'm not sure of the exact foundation name, but it's impressive the amount of money that Metallica has given back to the community. They're, They're a band that said, hey, we wouldn't be here without the fans. And we have benefited financially, and that's why we want to give back. So I, I, I think the whole Metallica camp, uh, you know, you and I know, 
how original rock and rollers were always portrayed. You know, uh, these are the people your folks warned you about. <laughs> yeah. uh, but some of these bands have really elevated uh, their ability to to interact. You know, and uh, and give back. Um, and, and it's just crazy to me too to read in the story that their first album was in 1982. And I think of Metallica, the heyday of the late 90s, early 2000s. And to me, when you say 2001, I feel like that was three weeks ago. So to throw in there that Metallica's first album was in 1982... uh, which in some respects feels like 1882. They've yes. been around. They've been around a while. They've yeah. They've seen I, some I was, things. I was talking to somebody the other day, and you know the number. You know the odometer just keeps ticking forward, and sometimes you have to be reminded. You know that Def Leppard, where all the guys are in their 50s and 60s, they started out when they were 16. Well, do the reverse math. You're like, you are correct. I mean, it's a lot of these bands have been around forever. And they're still rocking. Yeah. And the Rolling Stones famously have put out their first album in over 15 years. And uh, Mick Jagger just turned 80 years old. So, you know, uh, it's it's amazing stuff. And since we're talking music and uh, and these guys that have been around forever and they do give back to their communities, there's a big Farm Aid tour happening now. And I just heard recently last week that Bob Dylan made an appearance at the age of 82 on stage at Farm Aid what, yeah, that's as a cool. surprise guest as well. I mean, they didn't even know he was going to be there. And wasn't Farm Aid, uh, it was in central Indiana. I think they changed the venue sites. Uh, and it was like one of the first times that John Mellencamp, who was one of the sort of co-founders of Farm Aid, it was like the first time he'd played in central Indiana for quite a while. Farm Aid, always a great cause, uh, taking into consideration the hard work uh, of all the families involved with the farming industry in America. Um, so, yeah, there, there's a lot of musicians out there that do a lot of good. They know they've got... Uh, once they reach the, a certain level of resp- of uh, success, uh, they've certainly earned it with their talents and skill sets, but they uh, do give back to their communities. Um, what else do you have there, Jay? Well, if you're driving, we know that telling you to be careful, well, that's a given. But the reason why we're telling you that is fall is the worst season for auto accidents. I, so uh, they've actually pinned this down. Had no idea. I, that, that that's mind blowing in some respects. When you think of all the snow and ice and slush in the winter, and it's more more dangerous to drive in the fall. That's crazy. More dangerous to drive in the fall. Automotive crash experts cite these as the main reason. One is the alteration in light. We have we tend to have diminishing light. Mm-hmm. That's a given as the seasons change. And you know we have. Even the the phenomena, you and I have chatted about this before on the show, uh, when you switch to and from daylight savings time. Initially, daylight savings time is set up in such a way that it tends to be darker in the morning, and then you get the extended light in the afternoon and early evening. Well, that flips back when they stop doing daylight savings. All of a sudden, you're going, hey, I can see the kids at the bus stop in the morning. Oh, it's very dark when I drive home from work. So the diminishing light changes uh, quite a bit 
uh, your ability to see and avoid accidents. Uh, more than half of all car accidents happen after dark. I believe it. Uh, and now that you say that, the diminishing light, uh, by the time winter rolls around, you're you're used to it. You're, you're used to your right. rush hour, morning and afternoon drive being in the dark. So, And then you throw in some snow and ice and you drive even more careful, or you don't go to work at all. You work from home. Right. Uh, I'm reminded of um, one of my first jobs, Jay, in the uh, broadcast uh, industry was as a traffic reporter. And I can tell you, I, I just told this story, I think to my kids like a month ago, that when we would see the most crashes uh, when, when there was any changing weather event. Yes. So if, for example, if it is uh, a dry day and then it just started to rain, and it was just a drizzle, just a slight drizzle. You would have more crashes in that slight drizzle, the initial minutes of it, than if it was a downpour for two days straight. Just- well, do you, do you want me to tell you why part of the reason that happens? This is a, a thing from one of the uh, bad, horrible summer jobs I had as a kid growing up, working for a company that paved roads most of the asphalt materials that go onto roads are petroleum based and if you haven't had any kind of rain or anything for a while all the all the little light oil is just sitting right on the road surface but if you get a light drizzle it lifts that up and now all of a sudden the water is much more uh i guess slippery is that the right word Mm -hmm. yeah so uh you're absolutely correct light rain uh can be probably the most treacherous almost as treacherous as ice you know i thought uh it was just because human beings are insane and (laughs) well that's part of it as well any sort of change we freak out and while right. that is true, I had heard that about asphalt, and with a light rain, it brings up all the dust and oil and makes it slippery. So in a, if it's a downpour for two days, the rain's washing away all the slick stuff, and you've actually got yeah. more tack to the surface. Uh, but even well, in the if, reverse, Jay, if it, was, if it was raining for two days, and then all of a sudden the rain stopped and the sun came out, everybody would crash. <laughs> You'd have a crash, no. Because people You're just, any correct. change of weather, any good to bad, bad to good, any change of weather, people don't know how to drive. Well, I have been a little worried about aggressive driving myself. Just, uh, I think anybody can see bits and pieces of it. And I understand, you know, uh, people that are late for appointments and things like that. Give yourselves time because you just don't want to be an aggressive driver. Mm -hmm. Eventually, some of that luck will run out. Another thing that uh, hits us in the fall are slick surfaces. Uh, as, As Adam was saying, you know, it starts to rain. Also, here's something interesting. Leaves that are wet are a mess to drive on. Oh, yeah, like like little uh, banana peels. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. And then here's one that made me laugh when I saw it just because uh, it's deer mating season between October and December. So all those deer are out swiping right, and they're out on the road. <laughs> oh, the romance, uh, the romantic life of the deer are going to cause uh, problems on the roadway for sure this fall. Yes. So as deer find it imperative to meet that deer of their dreams, uh, you'll have to be careful. And it is, it, you know, we've always talked about that. Uh 
you know, you could be in a, a very severe auto accident with a deer. So you've got to be extremely careful. Yeah, they. Uh, I've had some family members run into deers on uh, deer on uh, you know remote roads in the middle. You know when it's dark, they just jump out in front of you, and it's it's not like hitting uh, a paper mache pinata. These are no. you know five hundred pound animals. Well, and the you know the other severe problem that you run into is if you're traveling at any rate of speed and you try to avoid hitting the deer, all of a sudden you could be in a situation where you overcorrect and you're in an accident. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it goes, it, it sounds so simplistic. Be careful. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it just, uh, this is that time of year. It's that time of it's year again. It's that time of year again. For uh, pumpkin spice latte and accidents. They go hand in hand. <laughs> I, I would imagine a few pumpkin spice lattes cause accidents. You're trying to switch. You're, you're craving one. You uh, you know, the, the coffee joint pops up and you're in the wrong lane. You cut over real quick and you, you end up causing an accident. So be careful when you're craving a PSL. You know, it's funny. Uh, I run a little errand about once every other week that puts me in close proximity to a place to get a pretty good pumpkin spice latte. And I will tell you, oh, it's really hard not to stop. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, I know you are not a sort of traditional pet person, Adam. But did you ever have a reptile as as a kid growing up? Uh, no, not not. I didn't plan not a planned one anyway there there may have been a some sort of uh, creature uh crawling along the basement floor at some point but it was not my pet well the reason why i bring that up is uh you you know here in america it's like you can get anything for a pet you can get a lizard you can get a parrot you can you can get a turtle mm-hmm. well there's a lot of people that not knowing that they can become extremely large would go to a pet store and select a Burmese python for their family. Oh. Now, the Burmese <laughs> python is a beautiful, oftentimes very uh, docile snake, uh, but can achieve amazing uh, lengths. I mean, literal lengths. In fact, they've found in the Florida Everglades some of these snakes that have escaped uh, captivity or have been released into the wild can grow as long as 19 feet. Oh, that's that's not a, a pet. Uh, you know, I don't even want a cute fuzzy dog. And, and now well, you're telling you me there's 19, 19 foot snakes? No. Yeah. So anyway, uh, each year Florida has the Florida Python Challenge, and it's. Uh, it's one way that they use to call the snakes and it's a 10-day competition this year paul hobbs was the winner he successfully removed 20 very large burmese pythons from everglades swampland so that's more than any other participant he earned himself a grand prize of ten thousand dollars well that's fantastic he's doing some good he earned some money yeah and uh the largest serpent captured this year uh so i I think that some of these hunters might be getting on top of the problem because 
this year's largest serpent was 10 feet 9 inches so not quite the 20 foot behemoth level by a woman by the name of Amy Swee, who was competing in the novice category. So Amy may be out there trying to become the uh, snake champ next year. I saw last week, related category here, Jay, someone went to the Philadelphia Phillies game with their um, service animal, and their service animal was an alligator. Oh, my. And the uh, security and management of the baseball field where the Philadelphia Phillies play would not allow this uh, fan to enter the stadium. So I don't know how many people have a pet alligator or a service animal alligator, but uh, you may or may not be in for some rules and regulations when you try to enter a public space with your yes. with your gator. Well, most people, you, you probably know that public places try to be very accommodating for service animals. And we're mm-hmm. very used to, I think, seeing uh, police dogs at work or a service animal uh, helping somebody in some ways. And as you well know, that they've kind of broadened, you know, now we're seeing stuff like miniature ponies and reptiles and box turtles and people are trying to claim, well, this is my service animal or this is my comfort animal or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but most places, as you said, are kind of clamping down because while they want to be sensitive to the issues you're having health-wise, uh, having an alligator in close proximity to sporting fans probably not a good idea. No, all those screaming fans uh, that could that could trigger an alligator. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, and speaking of animals, I'm we're you know we bring up everything that we do here on the Adam Rich Show because we want you to be aware and take precautions. But here's a man who was hospitalized after being attacked by a herd of cows. A man has been seriously injured after being surrounded by cows. Now, ready for this? The yeah. location? A beach in Scotland. Uh, okay. So there is a, a herd of cows, herd of cows on a beach in Scotland. On a be- beach in Scotland. You know, Scotland is a country known for its greenery. <laughs> it's... <laughs> You know, it's hospitality and it's, you know, and it's, you know, brogue and all that good stuff. But here we have, we're having a problem, I think, by cows on a beach in Scotland. I don't know to what extent the the problem is, but it it did affect this gentleman. Uh, uh, It was a man and his two female friends were reportedly trapped by a herd of cows while walking in a remote area. And a spokesman for the Starnaway Coast Guard confirmed the case stating the man had sustained a blow to the chest and was in shock. And he and the wo- the woman companion he was with were flown to separate hospitals for treatment. So, serious situation. And this was on a beach in Scotland? On a beach in Scotland. And, well, you know, I, I think a lot of our listeners probably won't be in Scotland anytime soon. I think you need to be aware, much like you need to be aware of any animal, that animals can cause a, a great deal of harm. You know, and I think these cows were emboldened, you know, because they're on a beach. And I think they just felt like they could just do anything that they darn well pleased. Well, I'm reminded of that classic image of the bully on the beach that's like kicking sand in the face of the wimp. (laughs) 
Yeah. Uh, I wonder if these cows were, were bullying this guy and, and kicking they sand. Really were. You know, when you get into a fight with uh, a cow or several cows on the beach, you want to wade into the water because that neutralizes uh, their advantage. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a great point. And we it's wish to, this gentleman a complete recovery. It's really hard to fight in waist-deep water, uh, <laughs> especially is. when you're a 2,000-pound animal. So put that in mind. That's your checklist. I am being attacked by a herd of cows on a beach. Okay. My first thought is to enter the water because that will neutralize the advantage. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You may want to check with your physician uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, before doing. Be sure to check with t- your medical professional before taking yeah. any advice from uh, said hosts of this broadcast. Well, I'm always a big fan of something that you would just find laying around, and it's worth an amazing amount of money. Uh, there is a story about what has become a very rare Bob Ross painting. Are you familiar with Bob Ross? I am. Little fluffy clouds, little fluffy clouds. He uh, created the PBS show, The Joy of Painting. Uh, Very popular uh, Halloween costume as well. Uh, If you're not familiar Ah. with Bob Ross, go ahead and Google him when you get to a safe uh, Google spot. And when you see a a photo of him, you'll immediately remember who he is. The uh, artist that was always uh, on camera, public television, drawing things on, painting things on canvas, making trees, clouds, naturescapes. And he had the most wonderful afro you could possibly imagine. So it's a simple Halloween costume. Get a smock, put some paint on it, get a big afro, and you are Bob Ross. See, that is brilliant. Well, you're, you'll are you appreciate this now. You remember the joy of painting. Mm-hmm. Those shows were about 30 minutes in length, and they were produced for uh, public broadcasting. The f- show's very first episode in 1983, Bob painted a piece called A Walk in the Woods shows a stone path winding through a serene forest and it was originally purchased by a pbs volunteer at a benefit auction and while they do not have the original purchase price they figure that it was likely under 100 dollars. okay the original purchase price in uh, 83 you said this was back in 1983 so he paints the very first picture that he ever painted somebody buys it well they sit on it and of course as you know bob ross has had an amazing popularity resurgence uh in fact there's over a million people that subscribe to his youtube page (laughs) a walk in the woods the very first painting he painted on the air is now on sale for just under 10 million (laughs) dollars Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and once again, this was purchased, you know, at a at a at an auction or, or you know, originally a, a benefit auction by some volunteer who probably paid under $100 and it's now worth uh, $10 million. Oh, that is uh that is a nice uh, return on investment. And that's yeah. for sale now or it did sell. Uh it is on sale now. Okay. A walk um, in the woods, and I'm going to guess, as you said, more, more Ross, Bob Ross information is available via the internet. See, I, I'm not going to give the address a because 
I didn't do enough research to know what the address is. But B, I don't want to get a price war going. I mean, somebody's already got this baby jacked up to 10 mil. Yeah, if you, I'm if not going to add to the problem. No, if you did your research, then this uh, this painting would be a lot more expensive. We don't want that. It would be. No, there could be a, a run on it, as we like to say. Hey, you know, we're going to be excited. The Super Bowl is going to conclude this NFL season. People are all pretty pumped up about the NFL. You know how it is. You, whether you have a team in your town or not, there's always plenty to talk about. But this year's Super Bowl halftime show is going to be, do you know, Adam? I, I do know, but I don't want to play no, Mr. Know-it-all, so I don't want to steal your thunder. Go ahead. Oh, no. It's going to be Usher. Uh, Usher will be the halftime Super Bowl uh, musical guest. The game will take place in Las Vegas. Now, I did read... Uh, a quote from him after the announcement that he said this will be unlike any other halftime show in recent memory and yeah that's what he's saying i don't know what that means because every is that i kind of think if i'm rhiannon i'm like hey man are you you know don't downplay what i did i my show was awesome in any other you know the weekend any those were Whatever Snoop Dogg and uh, Ice Cube and uh, you know that yeah. that tribute to hip hop a few years ago. I mean, is he saying that he's better than all of those shows? Is I he don't think start- he's saying he's better. Is he's this- going to be different. And you're absolutely right. According to information, Rihanna's ha- halftime show was the most watched halftime show ever in the history of Super Bowl halftime shows. Did I say Rihanna or Rhiannon? Uh, Rihanna, Rihanna. I I think it's probably part of the problem is if you played any Fleetwood Mac as an AOR disc jockey, you later mispronounce Rihanna's name. You know. Or Rihanna's name. Rihanna, Rihanna. You say Rihanna. Let's, yeah, potato, potato. I'm a 53-year-old guy that likes Yacht Rock. So you're going to have to forgive me if once in a while I, I call her Rhiannon. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think it's Rihanna. But yes, you are correct. You had me doing it there for a second. Right, you know what? I got Usher right. right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So so congrats to Usher. Obviously, he's a big star. Got some new music coming out. And he is genuinely excited. And that's the one thing you have to ask for. Because as you and I know, Adam, they, they've kind of homogenized the the halftime shows and you've already tapped into the big superstar base i mean you've had prince you've had bruce springsteen you've had paul mccartney you know you've had these mega stars but even the mega stars get older and they don't have as much appeal as a younger artist so you have to now go to younger artist superstars and i say there's less younger artist superstars what say you yeah they're you know, my, I took uh, my daughter to the Super Bowl uh, in 2012. We were fortunate enough to get tickets. Uh, the halftime show was Madonna. And, okay. And my 12-year-old, who who is now, she just turned 21. She, um, uh, was she 12? I, I can't remember. She was, yeah, she was 10. She was 10 years old at the time. So anyway, um, she was upset that the halftime show was Madonna. You know, she wanted somebody uh, a little more relevant. You know, she more wants, contemporary. She's right? in. She's into. Um, maybe relevant was the wrong word. You're right. Contemporary. She wanted Jonas Brothers. That's what she was. You right. know, some 10, 11 year old girl wants to hear Jonas Brothers, not Madonna. 
And I remember telling her, this is historic because there aren't going to be any more um, universal megastars in the future. And Madonna is going to be one of the last of them. And of course, this is just my opinion. Maybe you think Harry Styles is a universal superstar or Taylor Swift. Uh, but gone are the days where there's a performer where every single demographic watching the, the halftime show, the Super Bowl, knows exactly who this person is. Not only knows right. who they are, but could probably sing five of their songs. Uh, well, and then here's another factor, and tell me if you think I'm thinking along the right lines. When Bruce Springsteen was the halftime guest, yes, people love Bruce Springsteen, but and he is wildly popular, but it is a small sector of rock and roll fans when you look at the overall music picture. So the guy is a superstar, yes, but only in a very specific genre of music. It is true. Uh, and media and entertainment gets more and more splintered every day. We'll leave you with this thought, Jay. I, I've noticed this. Uh, my kids and I always watched uh, Saturday Night Live as they were growing up. Uh, and when I was a kid, and I don't remember exactly what year this happened, but when the musical guest was on Saturday Night Live, everybody in the country knew who that musical guest was and, and knew what their hit song was at the moment. And here recently, I'll just say in the last five years, the musical guest is somebody that only a portion of the United States knows who it is and knows what song they're going to do. It's I feel yeah. like 95% of the entire country has no idea who the musical guest is. <laughs> I think you're absolutely correct, yeah. Well, and then I chalk part of that up to age, but you are correct. Oh, yeah. I, maybe I'm just bitter because I'm old now and I don't know what's cool. Uh, well, we thank you all for listening to this uh, cool public affairs show. If you want to hear this uh, episode or any of our episodes in podcast form, they are available for you one click away on the website, adamritzshow.com. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live in studio at the Vibonomics Worldwide Headquarters. Learn more about the Vibonomics Audio Out-of-Home Marketplace at vibonomics.com. For information on this broadcast, including past on-demand episodes, interview submissions, and syndication contacts, visit adamritzshow.com.